Book Second, Chapter Nine of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Nine, A Wretched Failure. The excitement that had sustained me was passing away, and I felt myself growing miserably weak and depressed. The remainder of the meal was a desperate battle in which I think I succeeded fairly. I talked that it might not be noticed that I was eating very little, joked with Mr. Yocomb till the old gentleman was ruddy and tremulous with laughter, and made Reuben happy by applauding one of Dapple's exploits, the history of which was easily drawn from him. I spoke often to both Ada and Zilla, and tried to be as frank and unconscious in one case as the other. I even made the acquaintance of Mr. Hearn's little girl, indeed her father formally presented her to me as his daughter adela i knew nothing of his domestic history and gained no clue as to the length of the widowhood which he now proposed to end as speedily as possible i was amused by his not infrequent glances at ada he evidently had a keen eye for beauty as for every other good thing of this world and he was not so desperately enamoured but that he could stealthily and critically compare the diverse charms of the two girls, and I imagined I saw a slight accession to his complacency, as his judgment gave its verdict for the one toward whom he manifested proprietorship by a manner that was courtly, deferential, but quite pronounced. A stranger present could never have doubted their relationship. A brief discussion arose as to taste, in which Mr. Hearn assumed the ground that nothing could take the place of much observation and comparison, by means of which effects in color could be accurately learned and valued. In reply I said, Theories and facts do not always harmonize any more than colors. Miss Ada's youth and rural life have not given her much opportunity for observation and comparison, and yet few ladies on your avenue have truer eyes for harmony in color than she. Mr. Morton being the judge, said the banker, with a profound and smiling bow, permit me to add that Miss Ada has at this moment only to glance in a mirror to obtain an idea of perfect harmony in color, and his eyes lingered admiringly on her face. I was worsted in this encounter, and I saw the old gleam of mirthfulness in Miss Warren's eyes. How well I remembered when I first saw that evanescent illumination, the quick flash of a bright genial spirit she delights in her lover's keen thrusts was now my thought and is pleased to think i'm no match for him she should remember that it's a poor time for a man to tilt when he can scarcely sit erect but ada's pleasure was unalloyed she had received two decided compliments and she found herself associated with me in the newcomer's mind and by my own actions i frankly admit i said that I'm a partial judge, and perhaps a very incompetent one. Then I was stupid enough to add. But newspaper men are prone to have opinions. Mr. Yocomb was so sarcastic as to say that there was nothing under heaven that an editor did not know. Oh, if you judge by her father's authority, you are on safe ground, and I yield at once. He had now gone too far, and I flushed angrily as we rose from the table i saw too that mr and mrs yocomb did not like it either and that ada was blushing painfully it was one of those attempted witticisms that must be simply ignored my anxiety now was to get back to my room as speedily as possible 
again i had overrated myself the excitement of the effort was gone and my heart was like lead i too would no longer permit my eyes to rest even a moment on one whose ever-present image was only too vivid in spite of my constant effort to think of something else for so complete was my enthrallment that it was intolerable pain to see her the object of another man's preferred attentions i knew it was all right i was not jealous in the ordinary sense of the word i merely found myself unable longer in my weak condition to endure in her presence the consequences of my fatal blunder therefore i saw with pleasure that i might in a few moments have a chance to slip back to my refuge as quickly as i had left it mrs yocomb was summoned to the kitchen a farm labourer was inquiring for her husband and he and reuben went out toward the barn ada would have lingered but the two children pulled her away to the swing mr hearn and miss warren stood by me a moment or two as i sat on the lounge in the hall and then the former said emily this is just the time for a twilight walk come and show me the old garden and he took her away with an air of proprietorship at which i sickened to that place consecrated by my first conscious vision of the woman that i had hoped would be my fair eve the moment they were off the porch i tottered to the stairway and managed to reach the turn of the landing and there my strength failed and i held on to the railing for support feeling ill and faint a light step came quickly through the hall and up the stairway why mr morton exclaimed miss warren you are not going up so soon yes thank you i managed to say cheerily invalids must be prudent i'm only resting on the landing a little i found it rather cool and damp and so came back for a shawl she explained and passed on up to her room for she seemed a little embarrassed at meeting me on the stairs in her absence i made a desperate effort to go on but found that i would fall i must wait till she returned and then crawl up the best i could you see i'm prudence personified i laughed as she came back i'm taking it so leisurely that i have even sat down about it are you not overtaxing yourself she asked gently i fear oh no indeed we'll sleep all the better for a change mr hearn is waiting for you and the twilight isn't don't worry i'll surpass samson in a week she looked at me keenly and hesitatingly passed down the dusky stairway then i turned and tried to crawl on eager to gain my room without revealing my condition but when i reached the topmost stair it seemed that i could not go on any further if my life depended on it with an irritable imprecation on my weakness i sank down on the topmost step mr morton said a low voice why did you try to deceive me you have gone far beyond your strength you here you of all others i broke out in tones of exasperation i meant that your first evening should be without a shadow and i have failed as i now fail in everything call reuben let me help you she pleaded in the same hurried voice no i replied harshly and i leaned heavily against the wall she held out her hand to aid me but i would not take it i've no right to even look at you i who have been doubly enjoined to cherish such a scrupulous sense of honour i'd better have died a thousand times call reuben how can i leave you so ill and unhappy and she made a gesture of protest and distress whose strong effect was only intensified by the obscurity i had hoped you led me to think to-night 
that I was a weather vane, thank you. Steps were heard entering the hall. Oh, oh! she exclaimed in bitter protest. Emily called the banker's voice. Are you not very long? I seized her hand to detain her and said in a fierce whisper, Never so humiliate me as to let him know. Go at once. Someone will find me. Your hand is like ice, she breathed. I ignored her presence, leaned back, and closed my eyes. She paused a single instant longer, and then, with a firm, decisive bearing, turned and passed quietly down the stairway. What in the world has kept you? Mr. Hearn asked, a trifle impatiently. Can you tell me where Reuben is? she answered, in a clear, firm voice that she knew I must hear. What does thee want, Emily? cried Reuben from the piazza. Mr. Morton wishes to see you, she replied, in the same tone that she would have used had my name been Mrs. Yocombs, and then she passed out with her affianced. Reuben almost ran over me as he came bounding up the stairs. Hold on, old fellow, I whispered, and I pulled him down beside me. Can you keep a secret? I'm played out, Reuben, to speak elegantly, and I don't wish a soul to know it. I'm sitting very comfortably on this step, you see. That's the way it looks, but I'm stuck. Hard aground. You'll have to tow me off, but not a word, remember. Lift me up. Let me get my arm around your neck. There. Lucky I'm not heavy. Slow and easy now. That's it. Ah, thank the Lord. I'm in my refuge again. I felt like a scotched snake that couldn't wriggle back to its hole. Hand me that brandy there like a good fellow now i won't keep you any longer if you care for me never speak of this please let me tell mother no indeed but doesn't emily warren know she knows i wanted to see you please let me do something or get thee something no just leave me to myself a little while and i'll be all right go at once that's a good fellow Oh, Richard, thee shouldn't have come down. Thee looks so pale and sick that I'm afraid thee'll die yet. If thee does, thee'll break all our hearts. And the warm-hearted boy burst out crying and ran and locked himself in his room. I was not left alone very long, for Mrs. Yocombe soon entered, saying, I'm glad thee's so prudent and has returned to thy room. Thee acted very generously tonight, and I appreciate it. I had no idea thee could be so strong and carry it out so well. Emily was greatly surprised, but she enjoyed her first evening far more than she otherwise could have done, for she's one of the most kind-hearted, sensitive girls I ever knew. I do believe it would have killed her if thee hadn't got well. But thee looks kind of weak and faint as far as I can see. Let me light the lamp for thee. No, Mrs. Yocombe, I like the dusk best. The light draws moths. They will come, you know, the stupid things, though certain to be scorched. One in the room at a time is enough. Don't worry. I'm a little tired. That's all. Sleep is all I need. Is thee sure? Yes, indeed. Don't trouble about me. You won't know me in a few days. Thee was a brave, generous man tonight, Richard. I understood the effort thee was making, and I think Emily did. A good conscience ought to make thee sleep well. I laughed very bitterly as I said, My conscience is gutta percha tonight, through and through, but please say no more or I'll have to shock you again. I'll be in a better mood tomorrow. 
well good night thee'll excuse a housekeeper on seventh day evening if thee wants anything ring thy bell she came and stroked my brow gently for a moment and then breathed softly god bless thee richard may the sabbath's peace quiet thy heart to-morrow end of book second chapter nine